You are Locked On the NFL, your daily NFL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yeah, yeah, the season is over. Super Bowl 53 is in the books. You have reached the Locked On NFL podcast. Kind of a turning point in the podcast here, obviously. But we are going to recap the Super Bowl, of course. The second segment was going to be with Mark Schofield, Locked On Patriots. And then we're going to talk Locked On Rams to wrap things up. But first segment's just going to be my quick thoughts. Um, first of all, you have reached the national NFL flagship of the Locked On Podcast Network that brings you your team every day. We're the number one local sports daily podcast network in the world. And I want you to do me a favor, too. If you have a smart speaker, go tell your smart speaker, play podcast, Locked On NFL. So good stuff there. Uh, we are booming, to be honest with you. Um, I, I just want to give my 10 cents because we're gonna, I'll talk a lot about throughout the week. But... Contrary to much thought or Twitter or the reactions I got from friends and whoever, I thought this was a great game. I mean, I know it wasn't last year's Super Bowl. I know it wasn't Chiefs-Rams from the regular season or the points we got used to seeing this year. But I thought this was exceptional defense. I mean, exceptional defense and exceptional game planning and X's and O's and game prep and... I I didn't think the execution overall was poor. I think a lot of it was forced, you know, to be bad results for the the offense and the offense not really ever being comfortable on either side of the ball for much of the day. Um, I don't think Goff played well. Don't get me wrong. I'm not excusing that at all. I thought he played very poorly and it's such a rhythm based offense that he was he was bad. I mean, and he was never comfortable, but. If he doesn't throw the pick to Gilmore, which he kind of threw up for grabs, or if he gets the ball out of his hands a click earlier to Cooks and doesn't throw such a duck to him in the end zone, they may win that game still. You know, like, as poorly as he played, if it's not for those two plays, maybe there's a new king in town. You know what I mean? I mean, it's that type of game. So I think that we need to give Wade Phillips equal accolades to what everyone is telling about Flores and Belichick today, too. <laughs> he did a tremendous job. Um, but I do think, you know, that it, it was an epic game that people are going to wash away and say, boy, that was kind of a stinker. But it wasn't at all. And, and again, it, I thought it was Belichick's best work. I think Dolphin fans should be very excited about Flores. I thought we saw a lot of Six-man fronts with like a one-linebacker look 
and a cover four quarters feel behind it uh, that really did well with the play action. It was very physical with the line of scrimmage. It disrupted routes. It you know threw off their tempo and timing. And that's what the Rams are mostly about. And in some way, I think it's a, quote, you know, blueprint of how to screw up McVay's life. But not everyone can pull it off. And I think McVay will go back to the drawing board. And this day was not his finest moment, that's for sure. Uh, I thought Gilmore was awesome on that side of the ball. Those big downhill linebackers, you know, using them properly, that's for sure. Um, They also huddled a lot, which I thought was weird, the Rams. Instead of coming to the line of scrimmage, scoping things out, I thought they kind of hurt their own tempo a little bit too. There was a lot of late substitutions by the Pats defense. I think that kind of messed with their rhythm a little bit too. Um, On the other side of the ball, Brady certainly was not great. And I think there was a lot of times that it was cloudy what he was seeing too, that he wasn't sure. And he was fortunate that he had... Edelman to really lean on, who was at his best in this game and was the most uncoverable guy out there by far. I also thought Gronk really stepped up at some key points, looked really good at times. And Brady had one drive, you know, I mean, he had the the drive where he looked very comfortable, had the Rams where they want him, throw, 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 get him down to the goal line, Michelle in for the touchdown plunge. And a game like this, this was all you need. Uh, I thought the Patriots' offensive line stepped up at a key times as well, more so than the Rams. Um, Donald was a problem, but he wasn't a house wrecker. You know, I mean, he was really good, of course. Um, and the Rams D in general was pretty darn awesome. So that's just my quick thumbnail of what I saw last night. I'm excited to watch it again. Um, some good conversations coming up here, circled around the Patriots first and then the Rams after that. And last week I started telling you about our new favorite podcast, and it's called That's Gold. Any of you remember Kenny Banya from the show Seinfeld? It's a great, great show, of course. I hope you're all Seinfeld fans. You know, if you're too young when it was popular, go back and watch the reruns. Well, Kenny Banya was the uh, That's Gold, Jerry guy. And that's the name of the show, That's Gold with Steve Heitner. So uh, that's a, a podcast that I highly, highly recommend. On That's Gold, Steve is joined by his co-host Rich Johnson to talk about everything Guys love sports, sports betting, movies, comedy, food, drink, music, Vegas, and they bring it to you like five days a week. So it's like having your conversation with your buddies at the bar like we do here, and their bar has many famous guests show up to shoot the breeze, you know, so it's good stuff. Check out That's Gold with Steve Heitner on Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, leave myself and Steve a nice review. Uh, We'll be back here in a moment. All right, folks, I want to tell you about a new sponsor to the show, but one I've been familiar with for quite a while there, NFL Nation, and that is Low-K-E. So you need a little extra swag for game day, get it, you know, for the Super Bowl coming up. Low-K-E has your back with a brand new game day collection. If you haven't heard that name before, well, now you have. This company is amazing, and me personally, I've been rocking their bracelets for a few years now, as was my wife. And it's a bracelet with an amazing message and also supports incredible causes. The Low-K-E bracelet comes in your team's colors. You know, if you want black and gold, whatever, your, your choice, you know. And holds water from Mount Everest, the highest point on Earth, and mud from the Dead Sea, the lowest point on Earth. 
It's a daily reminder to stay balanced during life's highs and lows. Pretty cool. <clears throat> and no joke, I've been wearing the same one on my wrist now for over three years, as has my wife. We both picked these up a while back. It's an awesome message, which personally helps me you know, focus during the good and challenging times of my life. Since Low-KE is friends of the show and they are offering you an exclusive discount of 25% off all game day collection bracelets, you got to do it. You know, Guys, trust me, I've been a fan of theirs for years. This is the best deal. So use my promo code LOCKEDON25, all one word, 25, when checking out, and boom, you can thank me later, man. So go to L-O-K-A-I.com, use our promo code LOCKEDON25. Again, that's L-O-K-A-I.com with my promo code LOCKEDON25 to take advantage of this outstanding deal. All right, we are back with the host of Locked On Patriots, my buddy Mark Schofield. Mark, congratulations to you and Patriot Nation, all your listeners. Um, I don't know what else to say. I mean, it, it's an amazing achievement. It was an amazing season. I think it's Belichick's best work. I think it's the greatest thing that's happened in this league. I mean, in big picture, it's an amazing, amazing accomplishment. Yeah, it, it is. And I think what's sort of getting lost in a lot of what we saw last night and a lot of sort of the post-game discussion is when you look at the Belichick era, not just with New England, but his time as a coach, and you talk about how, you know, that Super Bowl 25 defensive game plan now resides in Canton. I think mm -hmm. this one should be next to it with Brian Flores' name all over it. Um, because when you look at the arc of this season, started with a year ago, basically last night, when the Patriots lose to the Eagles, and there are question marks about that defense and whether that defense could ever be athletic enough for today's NFL to cover some of the RPO game, to cover some of the receivers that they just saw from the Eagles, let alone guys they were going to receive in this year, to how could they handle athletic quarterbacks. That was a huge question mark. And Brian Flores sort of attacked that with pressure, with blitzing, with stunts, with just saying, look, we're going to get after the quarterback at times. And we saw that in this Super Bowl. They got after Goff. They didn't sack him a ton. I think they only had a couple. Um, but it was the ability to pressure him to force him into, you know, one of the game's two critical mistakes from him, which was the zero blitz, the interception by Gilmore. And so Brian Flores deserves a ton of credit. I think Miami Dolphins fans who might be listening to the show, you should be overjoyed about the man and the, the football mind you're going to get um, because it seems from everything we've heard about Brian Flores, everything we've read about Brian Flores, from what he did this year when they had that loss to Miami and he took ownership of the decision to have Rob Gronkowski out there on the final defensive play and it came back to bite them. It seems like he's not just a first-class football mind but a first-class man. And so, you know, hats off to Belichick, hats off to Flores, an incredible job that they did turning this defense around, an incredible job sort of reinventing this team. This is where you can bring in McDaniels from week to week on the offensive side of the ball. You know, Tom Brady didn't have a great night, probably not his best playoff game ever, probably not his best Super Bowl. But when they needed that one drive, when they needed that one score and drive, they went out and they did it. And it was capped off by Brady's probably only his good throw of the night or maybe his two good throws of the night came on that drive. And so it wasn't the offensive game I think people were expecting, but a tremendous defensive job by the New England Patriots and to force Jared Goff into some bad moments and capitalizing. Absolutely, and I, I want to you know talk about Flores for a moment too, just because 
I know a lot of the Belichick disciples, once they leave the nest, have not lived up to expectations. But I think Dolphins fans should be very excited about the guy they're getting. I just wanted to reiterate what you said there. And something that was just kind of dawned on me throughout the year, too, is I've been critical of Belichick in some regards as a GM. And I look at his defense and say, boy, they're slow. You know, who, who they, how are they going to cover Christian McCaffrey's and, you know, the, the way the NFL's going nowadays and mobile quarterbacks, like you said. And, you know, I would think to myself, boy, Belichick, he came up under Parcells. And for, with Parcells, bigger was better. But you watch mm-hmm. like Van Noy and Hightower and even like Shelton. He was, you know, all these huge human beings at the line of scrimmage with a lot of six-man fronts. And you can understand football hasn't changed as much as we thought, maybe. No, and what's interesting about thinking about this game sort of in the arc of football, of evolution, you know, we're seeing so much of the college offenses work their way into the National Football League right now. And part of that is, look, if you've got that rookie quarterback, the three-year, five-year developmental window is out. That's out the window. You know, you've got to win now. But size... And the ability to win up front, you know, continually is a trump card of sorts. And going into this game, we talked so much about that match between the Patriots offensive line and that Rams defensive line. And I spent, you know, probably an hour last week talking about that on my show alone. We almost sort of in the you know, myriad of storylines leading into this game. The one we maybe sort of should have talked about more was this Patriots defensive front Mm -hmm. and how they were going to attack this Rams offensive line, which was a very good offensive line the night before the game at the NFL awards. They won offensive line of the year, you know, and the Patriots had their game plan to get pressure. It seems like every sort of postseason or even every Super Bowl, Dante Hightower turns up one or two key pressure plays you know, he had the strip sack of Ryan. He had a sack the other night. Like you said, Van Noy uh, against the Rams, he had a huge sack of Big Jared downhill Goff. linebackers, you know, that could yeah, have played in the know, 80s. And like Romo was saying, look, they're just going to attack you uphill. Like they're just going to attack you straight line, uphill, downhill type guys, like you said. I mean, we're wondering about how they're going to address the athleticism at the second level this offseason, right? You know, after they lose to the Eagles. And they go out and they draft Jawan Bentley, who's a right, you know, right. four down, like thumper type of linebacker that, you know, you're thinking this guy's not going to be able to do it. And until he got hurt, you know, He's he was good. serving that role, but he showed enough athleticism where if he was flexed out to cover a tight end, he could run with the guy. And so they just have their mold. Yeah, you know, we all think the game is moving in one way, but Belichick, for whatever you want to say about him, like you said, Matt, it's a great point. Belichick, the GM, gets a lot of criticism, but he always seems to be able to zag when the rest of the league is zigging, and he seems to be doing it yet again. Yeah, there's no doubt about it, and Goff was never comfortable. They didn't have their play-action game. They kind of made him play it straight, you know, from the pocket as a drop-back guy, and the rhythm and flow of the offense was massively disturbed it it was a masterful job it really was and the thing with sort of getting to golf was you know the the patriots they forced him to become a pocket passer they forced him to win from the pocket and like you said look the rams they want to get that zone game going that outside zone and build off everything off of that but when they forced him to try to make plays from the pocket they were ready they were ready for their levels concepts they were ready for their flood concepts and their sale concepts and so they basically constricted the throws that Goff wanted to make and when Goff had the opportunities 
like we had seen from him so many times this season, he was just a step late with his decisions, a step yeah. slow. And, you know, that throw to Brandon Cooks over the middle that should have been six if he gets it out a step earlier, he's a step late and gives McCourty time to sort of, you know, make up the fact that somebody had busted the coverage there and break it up. And, you know, this was a masterful, like you said, performance from them. They, what was really interesting about was going into this week, you see that the Rams receivers sometimes struggle against man, but Jared Goff sometimes being a step slow. You think, you know, maybe they will play man, but if he's a step slow with his decisions, maybe it's a window to play more zone. And that's what they did. They played a little bit more zone, showed him some different looks, and the Rams offense didn't quite adjust as quickly as they needed to to sort of capitalize on some of what they were seeing. Yeah, on the other side of the ball, like you said, it wasn't Brady's best day, but, <clears throat> excuse me, on the drive where Michelle inevitably scores the plunge touchdown, it was all throws, and that wasn't an accident. I mean, I think that he was starting to get into a rhythm. It was clutch time. It was TB12 at his best for that drive, and that was enough. Yeah, and what was impressive, impressive about that drive, Matt, was you know, after the throw to Gronk, that little play action wheel, you know, where he's Y ISO button, he wasn't yeah. attached. He was next to the, the right tackle. Then they realized that, look, we had them in base. You know, they were in 22 offensive personnel. They had both Allen and Gronkowski on the field. They had Burkhead and Devlin. So they went spread tempo. They went with Hoss Waiju, one of their staple plays, three times in a row. You know, it, it's been a staple of their offense. It was something I highlighted in the thread I did about Brady, you know, leading into this week saying you're going to see it a ton. They love it against single high teams. You got the two inside seam routes, the outside hitches. They were running hitches with Rex Burkhead and James Devlin, you know, seams with Gronk and Dwayne Allen. And then that little option or juke route over the middle with Edelman. So he hits Edelman on the first one, the hitch to Burkhead on the left on the second one, and then the big throw to Gronk, which was the one big throw that Brady needed that night. And was it, you know, is it going to be one of his most memorable games? Certainly not. You know, are people making comparisons to the Madden Super Bowl 50? Yeah, they are. I think that's a little overblown. This was an incredible Rams defense, an incredible Rams defensive front. And Wade Phillips, look, if this game goes the other way, we're talking about Wade Phillips yeah, the way we are Belichick. Exactly. Because they were confusing Brady. They were, they, you know, all we talk about is how the Patriots use motion to give Brady that pre-snap cue. Well, they had an answer for that. They would slide. They would play zone instead. They would do other things that Brady wasn't expecting. So Phillips did a great job, but Brady in that moment on the biggest drive of the game for New England in their offense goes four for four and puts them right down the field and they cap it off with a TD run. And so, you know, what, was it a typical Brady performance? No. But it, did it, in my mind, I think, cement his legacy? I think so, because when you needed him the most, he made his best throws. Yeah, and Edelman wins with the MVP. I mean, I think you could have made an argument for Gilmore, but then he's yeah. the only one that put up numbers. He was phenomenal. I thought he was the easy vote, but, I mean, I'm sure the in-depth guys could have made a strong argument for Gilmore, like we said. But I also thought Gronk looked the best that, that I remember. I'm sure the bye week helped him. Kind of went, maybe he went out with a bang. Um, but it made me think watching that game too. It's like, I, I know they, they're a chameleon, but they better find a tight end this off season. Yeah. And, and thankfully <laughs> for them, it's a good year to need a tight end mm-hmm. because you get the two Iowa kids. You've got, you know, the Moreau kid from LSU. You've got the Dak Shepard kid from Utah state. You've got some tight ends in this, you know, draft class and you could be able to draft and probably, you know, slide into that spot. They still love that Hollister kid that was basically hurt the entire season. You know, they're keeping him around for a reason. But yeah, you know, when you look at, you know, what Gronk has sort of meant to this team, you know, from an offensive design and play design standpoint, it's going to 
would be next to impossible to replace him. And not only that, you know, it's hard to find tight ends that are the complete package right now because, you know, outside of the two IO kids, and even then it's probably just Hawkinson, tight ends in college don't get asked to block a ton. Not like Gronk, right. Not like Gronk. And so you're going to miss that. You know, you might see them have to go with, you know, more two tight end packages at times and rely on Dwayne Allen for that. But it's going to be tough to replace him. And, you know, it, it does seem like this was the best Gronk had looked. I think the bye week, like you said, Matt, did help. I do wonder if, you know, like everybody else is speculating, this is it for him. And if so, not a bad way to go out, you know, winning the Super Bowl and having the big catch in the big game. No doubt. And last question for you, just because maybe this is his last game. With all respect to Ty Law, who just went in the Hall of Fame, and all the great, great Patriots over the years, of course Belichick and Brady are out of the conversation. But to me, Gronk is top of the list other than those two. I think so. Importance, it's, you know, in terms level of, of play. overall importance, yeah. you know, level of production, you know, I mean, what he best, meant. There was no answer for him. He was such a matchup nightmare. Yes. And there, there are Patriots who are beloved, like the Troy Browns of the world. I get who, all that. Yeah. You know, you can, but from a pure sort of X's and O's value standpoint, to the team. a value to the team standpoint, right. You can't top what this guy has meant because, you know, the ability to sort of stretch the field as a tight end and yet, you know, be the kind of sixth offensive lineman at times as well that we've seen from him. That's rare. That's rare in today's NFL for some of the reasons we were just talking about. And he delivered on that, you know, for his entire career. And so, yeah, after Brady and Belichick, I think that's probably the guy you point to, unless you want to make a case maybe for Vinatieri for the early run, but hard to put a kicker in over a tight end. Right. I can't do that. Uh, Mark, this is a blast. You and I are going to talk a lot this offseason. I know you got things to do. I'll let you go. I just wanted to do a quick recap. This was great. Everyone needs to keep checking out Locked on Patriots, of course. Congrats again to all you Patriot fans. All right, buddy. Always a blast to be with you. We'll be chatting soon, my friend. Sounds good, man. Take care. All right, we are back with the final segment. Unfortunately, this one isn't as joyous, Brad, but we've had some good talks. It's been a phenomenal year for the Rams. Um, All of you still need to check out the Locked on Rams podcast. I just need to get your thoughts here. Um, Crazy Super Bowl. And to be very honest with you, it was a close game. I thought it was a good game. I think a lot of people were like, oh, there's not enough scoring. I thought it was just really two great defensive performances. Yeah, great defense. And we talked about it coming into this, that the defense was going to play a role. We just didn't expect this big of a role. We thought that these, you know, quarterbacks and these offenses that have put up points all year would be able to find some way to get this thing going at some point. Uh, That wasn't the case, but you're right. I was with you. I mean, I think this was a very interesting Super Bowl. I mean, I was on the edge of my seat the whole time. I think that's what you want from a Super Bowl, a good game, whether it's 40 points for each team or you know, three points for each team, which was basically, you know, what we had in the fourth quarter. So, you know, complaints big time on the game. I think for Rams fans, it's more of just, you know, you got all the way there. You're known for your offense. And, you know, we talked about it when we talked last week, but Todd Gurley, you know, all the talks about, is he healthy? Uh, You know, we're going to work him into the game plan more. And to see him only have three touches at half in a 3-0 ball game was kind of head scratching and even going down the stretch of, you know, how they utilized him. So I think for for us and, you know, Rams Nation is everyone's just going like, ah, oh, we just feel like we could have done more. I hear what you're saying. I mean, I would imagine from the Rams perspective, the whole girly situation. I mean, this guy was at MVP talks, a couple, you know, not long ago, has to be the most confounding, frustrating of it all. 
Oh, for sure. I mean, like, yeah. like you said, MVP talks, you know, coming into, you know, even like as late as week 13 ish. I think that's when he was he started to kind of go down a little bit and then he got injured late in the season. And and, you know, that kind of went out the window. But you're right. It was really it was really frustrating to watch a guy, especially after we saw it happen the game before. And they were like, we're not going to let that happen again. So to see it back to back and, you know, just. I love the way they utilize play action, but you gotta run the ball more. There were a couple um, thirds and shorts that I was kind of hoping that we'd run and just pound the ball and really wear out that defense and make that a little bit easier for Jared Goff on those play actions. And you saw it at the end of the game, they had to crank it up in the passing game and we saw some production in the fourth quarter a little bit, but Jared Goff just got a little ahead of himself on that final throw. Obviously, if you look back over the game, there are a few plays um, you know, Brandon Cooks wide open in the end zone. Jared Goff didn't recognize him earlier, and that was late in the third quarter. Uh, they break up that touchdown. And, and then the throw right before the interception throw was a beautiful throw over Woods, or sorry, um, Brandon Cooks' shoulder. And, you know, great defense, knocked it out, but he just couldn't come up with it. So the Rams were just short on every one of their, their attempts there to really make this thing a game at the end. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up Goff because my take on it is he didn't play well. I mean, no one's going to say he played well. But I'm glad you mentioned it. He did make five nice throws. I mean, I'm going to have to go back and watch it. But there was a handful of really nice throws that are tough. And was the offense as a whole was never comfortable. It was a very rhythmic offense. Play after the next, you know, play after the, I'm saying that wrong. But, I mean, to get a rhythm going play after play and have plays flow into one another, that never happened. And the reality is, there's two throws, the interception where he was under a heavy rush and uh, he hadn't seen, he kind of threw it up for grabs and that was a killer. And the Cooks one that you mentioned in the back of the end zone where there was a, a coverage miscommunication, he was late to see it and it didn't come out of his hands well. But if those two things don't happen, maybe the Rams win the game. You know, I mean, even with suspect quarterback play. Yeah, you're right. Jared Goff, not the performance, you know, that he would liked in the Super Bowl. But sure. again, not a performance where, uh, you know, he ruined the game for them. You know, no really big interceptions until that last one, obviously the biggest one. But throughout the game, uh, he protected the ball well. But you're right. He just didn't seem, you know, we didn't go downfield a lot. The couple times we did weren't really, you know, high percentage throws and really kind of just throwing it up there to, to get a deep ball. But uh, you know, there was a couple times where he missed opportunities. There was, um, you know, I rewatched the game today and uh, there's one where it was third and short and I really wanted them to run the ball there, but they kind of went to um, Robert Woods on kind of a short curl. It was knocked down from behind. He had Brandon Cooks wide open on the sideline, missed that throw. There was another one right after that holding call, which really, if you look back in that end of the game, when Todd Gurley breaks a big run, it was right before the Patriots had scored. We get a big 15-yard pickup. They call it back for holding. Now we're in second and 20. Goff goes out of bounds after that and then misses a really big in route. Uh, he went deep down the sideline, which was like double covered and didn't have a chance. But he just misread some reads that he typically wouldn't do. Uh, and so I don't know if that was trying to make a big play or uh, you know just kind of what he saw at that moment. But yeah, not his best performance, but again, not his worst uh, so it, we, you know, we definitely could have won the game with with the, you know, what he did in that in that ball game, but uh, just wasn't enough at the right times. And you're right, those two plays to Brandon Cooks, you know, basically looking at you know potential touchdowns if we can convert those. So uh, kind of kind of upsetting, but never really got going. Yeah, and 
I, I you know, it's overreaction Monday, of course, and during the game, and you hear people on Twitter and on the airwaves, boy, the game was too big for Goff. McVay was too young. He got out coached, and all of a sudden, they're not the the bright and shining stars anymore. I I think that's foolish. I mean, I I take a, a glass half full approach to both those guys, especially McVay, that this will be an extremely valuable learning experience. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, this team, and that's the thing. I think uh, you know the national media is going to have to understand is that they're going to have to deal with them for a while because this team is going to be good for a while. Uh, you're right. You know, Jared Goff, definitely learning experience. He kind of had a similar quote after the Super Bowl that he talked of two years ago uh, after his first season in the NFL, after the Jeff Fisher had been fired. And he basically said, you know, this was a learning experience and I'm going to come back and be better. And I'm not going to let this team go out like this. Uh, and then in the Super Bowl after the game, he kind of said the same thing. Learning experience. We're going to grow from this. I feel stronger for having this game. And I, I truly believe him in that, that he'll come back. Uh, he'll put in a lot of work. The one thing I think that he doesn't get a lot of credit is how much of a hardworking, competitive guy that he is. Everyone l- looks at him. He's kind of a boring interview. He's kind of mild-mannered. Uh, but I think he has some of those young Tom Brady characters as far as like what he puts into the game and how he can really work with a coach like McVay to really study the game on that side of the field. So um, I think that's where he's going to excel is kind of getting smarter, feeling more comfortable, uh, you know, standing in some of that pressure. But you're right. I mean, you mentioned it. We never got into a flow. Jared Goff no. never got into flow. Todd Gurley never got into flow. McVay said after the game, he said it just, you know, he was still really trying to understand what happened. But the same thing, we just never got going. And I want to end my show on this because – it's something I've dealt with as a Steelers media guy forever. And it's always, you can't even imagine how many times I've been asked, well, why don't they do it as well as, as Belichick? Why isn't Tomlin as good as Belichick? And I was on the air just 10 minutes ago, and I finally said, and I've, I've hinted at it over the years, that, guys, I'm tired of it. You know, like, don't compare people to the best who's ever done it. You know, like, being second to Belichick is still awesome. You know what I mean? Like, the Steelers have been the bridesmaid in the AFC forever. And if it wasn't for Belichick and Brady, who the best have ever done it, they probably have another ring or two. And it's kind of the McVay's conversation. It's just Belichick has taken it to a new level, and in comparing it to him is unfair. It's, it, it's okay to be the Ewing Knicks or, you know, whoever the, isn't the best that's ever done it. And – I, I just kind of feel like that was the case on Sunday was once again, Belichick is the greatest who's ever come up with game plans or organized a team or coached and being second is still okay. And damn good. Yeah. Yeah. I, t- I totally it's hard agree to swallow, but yeah. it is, it is hard to swallow and it's totally understandable. And look, I mean, we talked about this team. I mean, just the, the young core pieces that they have and what they're going to be able to do moving forward. And I think everyone out here in Los Angeles is very happy uh, with what they've got in Sean McVay. And and that is a great matchup, those two in the in the Super Bowl. And I wouldn't be surprised. I really would not be surprised if it kind of ends up being those two again next year. I know there's sure. a lot of other teams out that are, you know, very good chance to make that run. But uh, it wouldn't shock me. And, it for and, everyone. I'm just telling yeah, you. <laughs> exactly. Maybe we'll all have a chance in, you know, three or four years when Tom Brady retires. And, and then, you know, they can open it up for someone else to win the Super Bowl. Yeah. Dude, this was fun. Let, let's keep in touch over the offseason for sure. Great season by the Rams. I don't think they have to hold their head low at all. I do think they have a great chance to be back. The NFC is going to be highly competitive, but let's keep in touch, dude. 
All right, I appreciate it. Anytime, guys.